Welcome back in. Lincoln Kennedy going to join us, and he comes to us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving you free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit smartrain.net or call 877-346-3333. 877-346-3333. Lincoln DJ spending some family time. PK running the show. How are you this morning? Not bad, PK. Good to be with you. Happy uh, holidays uh, to you and all your listeners, and thanks for having me. Absolutely. We certainly enjoy it. Tons of stuff. Want to hit with the Utes. You know, they were favored by two or three points the other night. So it's not a big shock that they won. They're playing great ball. But how surprised were you to see the level of domination that the Utes had over the Ducks? Not really surprised. Um, You know, I, I felt Utah has been a physical team all season. They just need to find their rhythm, and they, you know, they found it, you know, by obviously making their quarterback change earlier. Um, but then, you know, Ludwig got into a nice little rhythm with their multitude of backs, uh, the way they used their tight ends to play action games. Everything was clicking offensively. Defensively, I knew that they had, uh, you know, from the very start. Uh, but not very surprised. I, you know, there were a lot of people who talked up Oregon more than I did. I obviously was conflicted because – you know, um, I want the Pac-12 to have national recognition. I, I was certainly, you know, pleased that Oregon went back to Columbus and was able to beat Ohio State and take care of business, obviously, on national te- television. But I never really thought they were really the true, the, the, the true strength of the Pac-12. Um, and I always thought favorably of, of Utah, conversely. So, you know, I thought this was just one or two games. I expected these two teams to see each other in the Pac-12 championship. Um, Oregon State has been too inconsistent, even though I was high on them earlier in the year. So I don't know if Oregon State's going to be able to pull out the Civil War. But, you know, I, I think Oregon, uh, you know, probably will probably beat in, in immediate allegiance. And I'm certainly proud of Utah. They're looking for their first opportunity to go to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, now this is a thing that just to me, it just screams the need to expand playoff because, you know, if you look at it, well, Utah's lost three games, you know, if you, but you're not involved like uh, we are. We know they made a quarterback change. We know right. that the offensive line was a little patchwork. I mean, they replaced, uh, they lost uh, the running back Ty Jordan and right. Tavion Thomas has taken off and he had a little bit of a slow start after he got past Weaver. So the point I'm making is how much do you see Utah gelling to, to me? And I'm probably biased here because I'm a local guy. But I think that they are a top 10 team right now. Their record doesn't reflect it, but I'm talking about right now. I think they're playing some good football. Um, and I could probably, you could probably make an argument. I don't know what the top 10 is, but you can make an argument for um, them to be in the top 10, especially as well as they're playing and getting things right. You know, the, the thing is, is that, you know, we are, I think we're still the only conference that plays nine conference games. And re- unlike some other conferences, the, the, the Pac-12 is not top-heavy to me. I think there's a level of competition that's pretty even um, for the most part throughout the conference. You know, for what it's worth, um, you know, thinking there's not really a, dom- a true dominant quarterback in this conference, which is something that you don't normally always see. Uh, you know, it's, not, it's not a yearly thing. Um, but for all for what it's worth, you've got some very physical football teams, and I think that's something the Pac-12 has been lacking for some time in order to compete on a national scale. Now, where does this put us? This puts us that you want to send your most physical team to meet the Big Ten champion, probably going to be either Michigan or Ohio State, depending on how the, the playoff goes. Um, 
and and then you want to be able to win, beat them to also gain that national recognition to put you back in position next year to say that you can compete with the big boys. We've been lacking that for some time, and I think yeah. Utah would be a great representative to to do just that. Lincoln Kennedy joining us here on the Zone, and I was a kid coming of age when the Devils and the Cats go into the Pac-10, right? And so you know, I have a little bit of a familiarity with the conference going back. The Devils, uh, people think that there was a transition period. Actually, there wasn't. They were pretty good in, in the conference, and they go to the Rose Bowl, I think, in their like eighth or ninth year in 86, the game being played in 87, right? But you look at it, Arizona's never gone. Uh, there's been some other teams in my lifetime. Cal hasn't gone, or you know, the, the the Utes haven't gone. I understand that, but it's it's funky in that you play nine games and then you have that one game deal, and if you don't win it, you don't get to go. But yeah. my thought for you is that Utah here, uh, they're like ten years into it. And all this time where there's been so many coaching changes in the conference, the Utes still got the same dude, Kyle Whittingham. And you've been around him. You've been around this program. You're an offensive lineman. You know what toughness is about. You're speaking to it. But for me, this really, as he became the winningest coach in Utah football history, it's not like it's a crowning achievement because there's still work to be done. But the remarkable consistency that Kyle Whittingham has brought to this program, I have to believe you would agree with me, is just extremely impressive. See, the key word there was consistency, which is something you don't see in college sports. You see the transfer portal for the players. You see coaches jumping ship every now and then. But the consistency and the stability of the program has always been the same. Look, I've always known Utah football to be ground and pound. And even when they started trying to open things up with the passing game, it really didn't true, it truly look like them. It looked like somebody different trying to force feed something. Like it, like when um, you know Bill Callahan decided to go to Nebraska and try to open them up with a wide open offense. So, you know, I I've seen that pillar of consistency throughout Utah football. And, yes, I respect it and I appreciate it because with that consistency, you know how they're going to recruit. You know what they're looking for on both sides of the ball. And you know that the, the, the consistency is going to be you know synonymous through the coaching. Look at his coaching tree and how it's affected just not only Utah schools but other schools. And it's something that – that I'm certainly fond of because it's something that I had a little bit of a you know history with you know being coached by Don James and his effect on Washington football program. Same thing I think about Whittingham and Utah's program. Yeah, good comparison right there. Now you called the Washington Colorado game, I believe, on last Saturday, yeah. and the Buffs get the win. Uh, Buffs coming in here obviously uh, to play to close out the season. Uh, how do you handicap that? Oh well. You know, Washington, I think, had more twice as many yards as they did, but didn't have enough points. The turnovers killed them. Uh, Washington just just looked uh, bad. The only way I can put it, and I hate to say that as as a proud alum, but they looked bad. Colorado's not very good. Um, I'm just going to cut it like it is. They're not very good. They're not. They've got injuries on defense, um, and their their offense is truly inconsistent. You've seen flashes of it last week. They were putting some things together, but. You know, they're, they're not very good. They're a work in progress, and I think you guys understand that. The one thing I will say this is, is 
it's, what's unfortunate is how this rivalry is trying to be forced. Because to me, rivalries are when you have competitions that go back and forth. A rivalry is not when it's completely one-sided. And you know, I know what the, you know. You, you look around the rest of the conference; everyone has got their own rivalry, and everyone has their extended rivalry. But you know, to be honest, in my opinion, Utah versus Colorado is not a rivalry. They're trying to force it, and I respect that, but it's not a rivalry. There you go, Lincoln Kennedy, Raider analyst, Pac-12 analyst, bringing it strong here this morning with DJ and PK. Uh, got any news on what you think Washington may be interested in doing to get uh, their coach for the football program? No, it's it really is going to be tough because there's a lot of notable name and programs that are open out there. Um, I'm one of the alums who, who, who you know, voiced my opinion and said I don't. I'm not really wanting you to go for the the glamorous or the or the glitzy coach, the big name. I'm not really wanting to push that. I want them to push somebody of credibility, somebody of integrity, somebody of respect, like you guys have there at Utah Winningham, like we had with Peterson and Don James. Not to say that you know Jimmy Lake wasn't a man of respect, but he just had a jaded past he couldn't escape from. Um, but yeah, I, I want somebody who's going to stand up for the true integrity of the program. And also, the want somebody who's going to be physical. I want to play physical football. I want to be like the Oregon's and Utah's because I think that's really the only way that you could compete on a national scale. All this fluff and throwing around and, and, and trying to do all this you know fancy stuff doesn't translate when the weather gets bad. You know, the, uh, Seattle's in the open, uh, Washington's open to the stadium. It doesn't transfer. It doesn't transpire when you have to go to places, uh, tough places, and play like a lot of these Big Ten and SEC teams. So I want whoever they bring in as a man of integrity, a man of respect, and one who's going to create toughness in the program. And so do you think that uh, programs, there's a, a specific way to win, say, like if you're down at the University of Florida, whatever that is, you know, because obviously they let Mullen go, and right. so they've got an opening. And all the way across the country, you can't get any uh, more uh, distant away, a University of Washington. You believe right. that in order for Washington to be successful, there's a specific formula and a pattern that they have to follow? Yes. One like... Coach James had one like Coach Pete had, and I said that because I, I really I, I think you have to understand the area in which your university or where you're coaching at, and you have to understand what's surrounding. The importance of recruiting the for Washington standards, the recruiting, the importance of recruiting the Pacific Northwest and controlling that area. When you talk about how your team is built, is important. It's not only important for the image of the team, the popularity of the team, but it's also important for the integrity of the team. It means it's something special when you've got you know homegrown guys who are who are playing for for Washington in that area. Same can be said about Utah. How important is it for Utah to recruit the way they do? Not only to put you know the the, the Pacific Islanders. Uh, and for the Mormon nation as that they have, but it, it also around the surrounding areas. I mean, that's important, and that, that helps build up the program, solidify the program. So I do think that wherever you are, the region you are, you have to know not only love recruiting, but know how to recruit the area well, because that's going to be a base where you get your, your, your guys from. And yeah. so when you talk about coaching and uh, moving forward, the integrity, the, the, the character that you build within the program is going to resonate. And then that's going to just sort of reverberate throughout the, the country or the world when you get a look at it. Georgia, right. the way Georgia started competing with Alabama, they started recruiting like Alabama. They, they, they got big guys like Alabama. They became a physical football like Alabama. For a time, Florida was the same way, especially when Urban Meyer was down there. They were, they were physical. They were, they were a team that could push you around, and they were also could, had enough speed to throw, and you can, you know, they had fast defenses. That's what you have to do when you're in those areas. So how about SC? Do you think because of the Hollywood thing and the celebrity that they got to go with the glitz and glamour? I think they do. 
I mean, you know, SC is one of those programs that's a, it's a, it's a front, it's a top five program. Call it like it is. It is glitzy, glitzy and glamorous. If you have a less recognized guy in that position and he fails, there are going to be a lot of people who are going to point really quickly and really early that this shouldn't be, this isn't right, you need to fire him. And, and then you're back to square one. So um, I'm not saying that a glitzy guy is going to work, but I just think there are certain positions that deserve that and are, are probably going to have that more time than not. Lincoln Kennedy joins us. He also does the Raiders. Raiders losing to Cincinnati. Uh, they got the Cowboys. You view it, uh, I don't know if it's early or what. I don't know if I could say this, but I'll just get your thought on it. Is it a must win? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no doubt about it. You have a three-game slide, and, and if you're talking about the, the sort of um, uh, the congestion that is the AFC when it talks about the playoff picture, if the Raiders not done themselves any favor, uh, dropping the last three games. Not only are they dropping into Division One to Kansas City two weeks ago, but you know losing this last week to Cincinnati just makes it even more garbled. So you've got what seven games I think remaining. Uh, yeah, I would say the Raiders. If the Raiders have any aspirations of going to the playoffs, they have to win six out of those seven games. Oh really? Wow. Oh yeah. It, how how realistic is that? I mean, that's, not realistic that's a, at all, especially okay. the way they're playing. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, when we when we get to this time of season, we we always talk about must wins, especially in the pro game. This is these are must wins. You know, they it, you know, look, I came into this season saying that I thought the Raiders are going to be ten and seven or nine and eight, um, and there were games that I looked at in the schedule, and especially when the season started playing, I was like, oh well, they'll be able to handle you know teams like the Bears or, or the Giants or the Bengals. You know, they're going to have some trouble with Kansas City, but it's not it's not unthinkable because they did split last season. Um, I think they can handle the Broncos and the Chargers. I think they can split. And then you look at some of those other games. Well, I, I knew they were going to have some trouble against the Cowboys because the Cowboys are physical coming into the season. And the Cowboys are physical. I didn't expect them to beat the Ravens. I didn't expect them to start the first month of football off at three and one. You know, I didn't expect that. So I was giving them some cushion to lose some games to kind of find their way. But the team, some of the teams that they lost to, makes it even harder. The teams that they have to beat or to beat, and starts tomorrow when they they take on the Cowboys. Is there really a dominant team in the AFC? Mm, no. But there are, there, there are some good teams that have enough good players and enough good tools to win. I mean, I think yeah. when you look at it collectively, how the Patriots are coming together, it's surprising because they're doing it with a rookie quarterback. And I don't think anybody really expected that. But they've got a rhythm about them. And they've got, you know, you know what their defense is. Um, the Bills were expected to be that team that was supposed to be in the, a- the AFC Championship. They've taken a couple steps back because they've been just beat down by turnovers. Um, and it's other teams that are necessarily surprising. Uh, well, I mean, not necessarily surprising like the Ravens. But you have, you look at that conference, everyone in that, in that division, I should say, is over 500. So there's, they're going to beat up on each other. There's no doubt about it. But I don't think there's a truly dominant team in the AFC. Yeah, I don't think so either. Well, we appreciate you joining us. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. I know you'll be working. Yeah. We'll catch up with you next week. Sounds good. You guys be safe and enjoy your holiday. All right. That's Lincoln Kenny, Raider analyst, Pac-12 analyst, University of Washington alum, college football Hall of Famer. Big picture, big uh, what was a poster or whatever you want to call, it, big picture of him hanging outside a Husky Stadium. If you ever get up there, I've been up there a few times with the Utes and the Cougars, for that matter. Uh, we sure appreciate him joining us each week. Coming up at the top of the hour, our local expert Riley Jensen. Stay with us, ninety-seven five, twelve eighty, the zone.